All right, and welcome back to the Dr. Vincent Buscemi podcast. This is the first time the only guest I've had coming back, the great Eric Vickery at All Star Dental Academy. How are you, Eric? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me back again. This is great. I'm excited. So I posted a podcast. Do you feel stuck on the financial hamster wheel? You keep paying on your debts like mortgages, car notes, student and business loans, but they never seem to disappear. My name is Dr. Howard Polanski, former dentist, now founder of Cashflow Coach USA. I guide families and business owners through a simple system to dramatically reduce your payment towards debt. You keep your same lifestyle and keep more money each month. A recent client will pay off their house in just seven months instead of the anticipated 20 years. Free 10-minute discovery call will determine if I can help you too. Go to CashflowCoachUSA.com, scan the QR code, or call 512-608-1020 to find financial freedom faster. Are you tired of using ineffective cosmetics and personal care products filled with harmful chemicals? Meet Ancestral Cosmetics and our range of highly effective products rooted in ancestral wisdom and made with edible ingredients such as beef tallow, olive oil, and raw local honey. Check out our best-selling tallow and honey balm for soft and smooth skin or our revolutionary tooth powder made from eggshells for effective teeth cleaning and whitening without any toxic ingredients. Free US shipping for orders over $50 and you can shop now at ancestralcosmetics.com maybe two, three months ago that talked about my experience with fee-for-service. And then you reached out and said, I would love to get on and talk about it because I'm fee-for-service, yes. but I have no idea how I'm doing it. So if I can hear from somebody who's on the outside <laughs> coaching people how to do it, maybe I can figure out what I'm doing. <laughs> well, you must be doing all the things well if you're surviving doing it. And I love, to, I love this topic. I think in the last four years now, we have probably helped at All-Star Dental Academy, we've probably helped more clients in the last four years change their insurance participation status in some way or fashion than I have combined in the prior, you know, 19 years of coaching offices. So I've been doing, you know, insurance freedom since 2001. Uh, I, I, the first practice I managed, I helped resign from Delta Dental, my father-in-law's practice back in 2000. So since then, I've been helping offices figure out how to do this and do this well, do it successfully. I've helped probably in the neighborhood of 120 to 130 offices resign from insurance. And one of them went back on the plan. Ooh, how come? Yeah. It's an interesting story. This I told him going into it, this was going to be the toughest scenario I've ever helped. Uh, are you familiar with Blue Cross Blue Shield? Yes. Okay. Do you know where the claims are mailed? Where they're sent? I'm not even sure where my mail goes, so no, I have no idea about that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, most of them go to Lincoln, Nebraska. Okay. Okay. So guess where this client was? I'm going to guess Lincoln, Nebraska. Lincoln, Nebraska, where they, you know, they just, every employer uses Blue Cross with Shield. Oh, and then the okay. second factor was that Blue Cross will not send the check to the office when you're at a network with them. It'll go to the patient. So combined with a high percentage of po patient population with where he was, and that's all anybody knew, he was like, I'm going to give this a shot. He gave it like three or four months and then decided he just kind of panicked a bit, went back on. And it, it was, it was 
probably the right decision. And I even told him going into it, I was like, hey, this is going to be a, a big bit risky. Now I will now let me let me flip the coin and share my biggest success story because it relates. So in Michigan, we have a client there who's 65% of his practice was Delta Dental. Now Delta operates the same way. The check will go to the practice. So in 21 to 22, that overlap, we helped him resign from Delta and uh, they're collecting 20% more than they were before. So, and it's a large practice. They're collecting $40,000 more per month. I live in Michigan. Can you tell me what general area that person's in? Uh, Have you heard of Midland? Yeah. 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 So a lot of auto maker employer type have that Delta. So it can be done and it can be done really well. And we have a very, very, very high success rate when it's done properly. So I'll go over some do's and don'ts, some things that I've seen really fail. And I'll talk about some things that have gone really well. But I think the most important thing is to understand what do we mean by insurance freedom? Because I think you're talking fee for service. And so there's levels to this. And I want to go through that really quickly, if that's okay. That was actually my next question. Can you define what, because people have different definitions of what fee for service is. Exactly. So we're going to use the same lingo here. All right. So at the very, very bottom, the deepest part of the pond in the muck, in the, in the mud is the HMO, DMO type insurance. Not a lot of dentists are in this, maybe in like Los Angeles or New York City, you know, those types of places where basically what they're saying is we're going to put your name on the card for that, that patient. The only place they can go is your practice to receive benefits. And the benefits are zero. We're going to pay you nothing when they come in to see you. But for every patient you allow to be assigned to you, we're going to give you $50 a month, whatever it is. Okay, it's usually less than that. It might be $10 a month, depending on the area and the practice. So you might get a $3,000 check every single month, but you're hoping none of them ever find you. <laughs> I worked okay. in an HMO practice. I felt the okay. same way. Yeah, you're like, I'm not getting paid for this. It's, that's how it feels. But, but getting the check every month feels different too. So it's, it's a weird thing. Most people have moved out of that deep zone and started moving up and out. And so the next level would be PPO. That's a pretty familiar phrase, right? Preferred provider organization, I think is what that stands for. I don't know. I don't know either. So so what happens now is there's a list of dentists and practices that say, hey, you're going to get great benefits if you go to this location. And what they mean by great benefits is they're going to, it's going to cost less. So the average write-off, oh shoot, I skipped, I skipped one. We're going to come back to something. But uh, the average write-off in a PPO is about 42%. Okay, so you're working for 58 cents on the dollar. Make sense? Yes. Now, I skipped over Medicaid, Medicare, Medi-Cal, those types of agencies. Now, in North Carolina, it's totally different because the patient can pay the difference. But everywhere else, you got to write things off. And that's about a 52% write-off rate, 55% depending on the state. So, again, you have to take them. Uh, They have limits. And you're riding off a ton. You're working, uh, you're going to get 45 cents on the dollar. Okay. Very, very expensive to operate that way. So by the way, we could even talk to offices about how to manage being in network too and being profitable in that way as well. That's a different conversation. Today we're talking about insurance freedom just because it was something you were talking about. So like where I grew up, my father-in-law, I managed that practice. Another practice I managed, it was all about 
hey, we want to provide high quality dentistry at a fair price. We don't want to gouge the patient, but we also don't want to be taken advantage of by the insurance company. How do we do this? And so insurance freedom became terminology. So as you move up and out of the pond, now you're a out of network provider, O-O-N. You move from PPO to O-O-N. Oftentimes, in fact, about 90 to 95% of plans, carriers, will have an in-network benefit PPO plan, and they'll have an out-of-network plan, okay? And so what happens is, let's pick MetLife. MetLife, let's say, has FedEx, okay? They will, if you go look at your explanation of benefits, your breakdown of benefits online for them, it'll have two columns, and it'll say preventive in the in-network, preventive out-of-network, and they'll both say 100%, 90% of the time or more. Five to 10% of the time, it'll say preventive, 100% in-network, out-of-network, 80% or maybe zero, no coverage, it'll say. That's only five to 10% of the time. So here's the funny thing. If you were to be an in-network PPO provider for MetLife, I see this all the time, and you even hire one of those PPO negotiator type agencies, the first thing they'll tell you is resign. You need leverage. They need to want you. Well, what happens is when the insurance company has no providers in their area, they're going to pay a higher rate. They can pay out more. But as soon as they get enough providers in your neck of the woods, they start paying less and less and less. They have this median. And so what, what those PPO um, negotiators are saying is, hey, if we get enough people to resign from the insurance company, they'll increase their rates. That's the theory. Okay, I get clients all the time that come to us. They're two or three years in this PPO negotiation thing. And they're like, yeah, I resigned from MetLife and they're not willing to take me on again at a higher level. I'm getting the same fees, the same fees. It's not working, okay? Because what's happening is insurances, they have enough providers. You don't have any leverage. You're a single one doctor, you know, one or two hygienists practice. You have no leverage. And so what's funny though, I say, well, tell me what the MetLife reimbursement has been like since you've been at a network. And they'll say things like, well, our profi fee of $115, when we were in network, we were getting... $80 for that. Okay, now that you're out of network, what are they paying you? Oh, they're paying the whole 115 Yeah, I Directly know. to me. Yeah. And you're going, you're going, so why are you trying to fight to get back in network? They're paying your fee. Why would you care? As long as your prices aren't gouged in that 90th, 95th percentile of the fee guide we give our clients, if you're in that 70 to 80th percentile for your fees, they're probably going to say, you submitted $115, we approved $115, we paid $115, patient portion zero. Patient never sees any difference. Now, 5 to 10% of the time, you're going to get some groups, some individual employers within MetLife who have chosen a PPO-only direction type plan. And therefore, the benefits are really, really, really low. But you're willing to think about it this way, Vince. If you had 100 patients, let's keep it simple, 10 patients you saw a day that were all MetLife, and you're in network with them, and you're writing off 42%. You're seeing 10 patients a day, but you're getting paid for five and a half of them, six of them. You have the expenses of 10, but you have the reward of six, okay? All because 10% of that group has in-network only benefits. You decide to resign and move out and be an out-of-network provider. Check's still gonna come to the practice, okay? You're now seeing nine patients because 10% of them leave. 
and now you're seeing nine patients a day getting paid for nine patients. You just went from a 60% collection rate to a 90% collection rate. That's why that office went out of network with Delta and is collecting 20% more. So you're willing to lose 10% of your patients for the 90% who stay to pay 40% more. Does that make sense? It does. And I found when I did that, the nine that stayed are, I don't want to say the term better patients, but they appreciate you more. They actually like yes. you more. Yes, absolutely agree. They don't see the big deal. And even some of those who don't have that great of benefits will still say as well. We'll talk about that too. Now, so let's look back at the pond, HMO, Medicaid, PPO. Then we've got this weird thing in here with Blue Cross Blue Shield and Delta Dental that I'll talk about. And then we have fee for service, very, very shallow into the pool. 10% of the practices maybe in the country are in this role. Fee for service means you come to me, it's $115 profi, you pay me $115. I may file your claim for you or hand you your claim either way. And your insurance is going to reimburse you directly. Mm-hmm. Fee for service. You're paying me my fee for my services and whatever your insurance pays you. I don't really know. It's up to you. You know, I'll give you an idea, but good luck type thing. Now we could do that really well. What sounds, I'm making it sound bad, but I want to really separate out of network provider who accepts assignment of benefits, but is out of network and a fee for service provider. Everybody pays the same dollar amount in both scenarios, but one is accepting assignment of benefit and one, the benefits are going to the patient. Is that, did I make that clear? Yes. Yes. And I would say, I want to okay. get your thoughts on this. It's less complicated in your office. If you go the full fee for service and assign benefits to the patient's house. Yes. It's just that there are stages to do that. You wouldn't go from the bottom of the pond to the shallow end. You would even go from PPO to fee-for-service. You've got to make it phases. So you might be a PPO provider, and we might take 25% of those patients at a time and move them to add a network, and then take another 25% and move them out of network, and then another 25% move them out of network. And those are six-month phases. It is a marathon process. It's not a rip the Band-Aid off. One of the biggest mistakes we see practices make is they send a letter, doctor's pissed off, EQ's, forget about EQ, he or she's fuming, sick and tired of the reimbursement rate, just one more denial, and they write a letter to their patient and go, I'm done. I'm no longer participating with your insurance. They send this letter out, and all the patient reads is, I can't come see you anymore. Yes. And a mass exodus occurs, and they're calling us going, I lost all my patients. 60% of my patients left. Our retention rate for patients is greater than 85%. When we resign from a, a plan, we do not see patients leaving the practice at greater than a 15% rate. So if you do so, the math on that, I'm not good at math, but 42% reimbursement if you're PPO, but you get 85% yep. retention. It seems like yes. whatever they pay you in consulting fee is so minimal compared to all the money you get in return for going on a network. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, it's not always a no brainer. And, and I want to go and, and I want to explain why, because in between fee-for-service and out-of-network is that Delta Dental thing. There's a lot in this. It's a big topic, but I've recently had a client in uh, uh, Silicon Valley area in California that I recommend not resign from Delta Dental, which is really hard for me because I know he wanted to do that and I wanted him to do that. The problem was he did not have enough patients. 
He does not have a, we call them insulators. You, 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 our, our coaching results tracker has some standards of which you need to hit to qualify to do this, some qualifiers. And so our goal is to get to a place where he can do it, but it's not yet. Uh, he, one hygienist working three days a week, a high percentage of Delta in his practice. And the gap between, he actually has a really good premier Delta rate. The gap between his fee and the Delta rate was about 20%. So I was like, we're going to lose 30 or 40% of these patients that you can't afford to lose so that you can get the rest of them to pay 20% more. I think what we need to do instead is focus on maybe like a membership plan and get some other patients in the practice to insulate it so that down the line you could handle some attrition there. Does that make sense? Yes. So we're not going to just blanket statement say, hey, we're, you're good to go to everybody. It's just not smart. Now, it's very, very, very rare that we do that. He's the only one I can think of, in fact, um, that I've done that with recently, any of our coaches. So back to the Delta thing. The reason it's su such a challenge is they have different participation levels, PPO and Premier. By the way, this would be worth thousands of thousands of dollars for anybody who... Uh, I hope I don't get, I'm going to get, if you don't hear from me ever again after this, it was, it was Delta. <laughs> You're at the bottom of a lake. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, if you credential with Delta prior to 2012, and for some reason you have Premier and PPO associated, both associated with your name, they, they bamboozled you. Is that a, is that a word? Yes. Cause I'm in this realm of what you're talking about. Okay. So what they did was prior to 2012, they allowed people to be premier providers, which just meant you had a 20%-ish write-off rate, PPO about a 40% write-off rate, okay? And they said to you, well, you want to have access to all of our patients. You should be premier and PPO, okay? Let's put those together. So it's better in story form. So I have a client in 1998. She credentialed with Delta, premier and PPO. I started working with her in 2019-ish. So for 21 years, she was both. And I started looking at her reimbursement rate. What happens is, again, about 80% of their plans are Premier and PPO. About 10% of their plans are just PPO, and about 10% of their plans are just Premier only. So by getting you to sign up for both, they said, hey, you're going to get this extra 10% of these PPO plans that are down here. What they didn't tell you is, in the 90% of plans that are both Premier and PPO or just PPO, you're going to get reimbursed the PPO rate, the lesser of the two. Mm -hmm. And you're going to take a 40% cut on your fee for 90% of your patients. When you really only had to say, I'm not seeing 10% of them, I'm just going to be premier only. And 90% of my patients that I, that I keep, all of them, all of my patients are going to pay at just a 20% cut. And so all we did was call them, make the switch, and it immediately increased her reimbursement rate by 20% on the fee she's paying because she's prior to 2012. Now, after 2012, they didn't allow anybody to be premier at all. They went PPO only. And in fact, they send letters out to states all the time saying, hey, just so you know, we're going to make a change to your fee as a premier provider. And all they're trying to do is just have you retire out, die out, sell out, uh, whatever it is, get out of network with them so they don't have a premier network anymore. They will be PPO only. It'll be a 42% average write-off rate for all Delta providers. And so it is the number one call we get to get out of network with is Delta. And it is the toughest because... They don't send you the check when you're out of network. So that's why it's in between out of network in the pond and fee for service. It actually puts you to that fee for service level with just Delta. So you might have all other insurances paying you directly as an out of network provider, but Delta and Blue Cross and Shield won't do that. The check will go to the patient. 
some states have passed litigation that forced Delta to send the check to the provider. But it's too few to worry about right now. So if you're one of those lucky few, you can be out of network with Delta and still get the check sent to you. That's great. But for the rest of us, we've got to be fee for service with Delta. And now you can imagine a patient who pays, let's say your crown fee is, can I say 1400 crown fee? It's UCR? Around, yep. Yep. Okay. Around there. Okay. And Delta's premier for that might be a thousand. Might be 1200. I don't know, somewhere in that range, 20 to 40% for premier. And the PPO for that is going to be like, I don't know, $800 right? So your patient is used to paying half of one of those two fees. They're in the 400 to $600. I'm paying my half range. You're writing off about the same. You go out of network with Delta. Patient's been used to paying, you know, 300 at prep, 300 delivery or whatever it is. And now they got to pay $1,400 at prep and they're going to get paid from Delta. Do you know how much they get paid? About three or $400. Yeah, I know. They're half. So they just went, holy cow, I went from paying $400 for a crown to $1,100 for a crown. And this is what makes that situation so challenging and why they're so daunting. And so your verbiage in that out-of-network process, that conversation you have with them for six months that we train you on, is so important. Along with the other insulators in your practice, all the things that you guys teach and talk about on the podcast, all the things we coach with scheduling, case acceptance verbiage, financial arrangements, uh, phone skills, all of it. So those things all have to be done really well. And I like to say, if they married you for the money, it's not going to end well. That's a good way to put it. Okay. And what I mean by that is, hey, you, my patient came to me because I was in network. You got a cheaper deal. You, you, your money situation was better because I was in network. And now I'd, I'm not in network. I don't have that money anymore. Do you still really love me? Yeah. So you better really be really good with your people skills. You, you have a magnetic personality. People are drawn to you. Your new patients come to see you and stay with you. All of that. So, all right. Does that make sense? That general overview? It does. And I have like so okay. many questions about. Let's go. Verbiage, now we're ready for questions. Verb- so, all right. I would say one third of my practice are physicians. And I only have one physician in my practice who runs a similar model as me where they're fee for service. The rest. So their of- mindset is totally different. And then, so they always ask me the question. And I still stumble on it. They say, why are you out of network with my insurance? When a patient yeah. asks you that, how, instead of okay. saying, because I want to make more money, how do you express to them why yeah. you have a network and keep them? So let's talk about why we're going to say what we say, and then we'll talk about what we say. Especially for someone from medical and, and physician viewpoint, and the general population sees dental insurance as medical insurance. That's why they don't understand why it's not paying. They think it's insurance, right? My medical insurance doesn't charge me anything. Have you seen a medical EOB for like an annual physical? They charge $238. They had to write off 200 and you had to pay 38. Have you seen that EOB before? I haven't really looked at them. Yeah. <laughs> Take a look at your medical EOBs and you'll be shocked. You'll wonder how are they in business, okay? They have like an 80% write-off rate. So what most people hear from a medical, if you, were, if you had medical insurance, right? An average Joe has medical insurance and you find out that the medical office is an is out of network with your insurance. They're out of network with your insurance. What does that translate to you in your brain? What does that mean? They're on, they're going to pay less, or you can't go there at all. Okay, 
Maybe I thought that. See, your your dental your dental skewed in a healthy way. But average Joe, oh, you're out of network. My my insurance, I can't even go there. My insurance says they're out of network. We don't have benefits for you there. You cannot even go. So when you have medical people saying to you, "Why are you out of network with my insurance?" Their mindset could be. I can't even go see you. You've probably done a good enough job to retain them. And now they're just wondering why are they paying more, which is what you're talking about. Yes. Okay. Why aren't they paying more? So the first thing we have to understand is the general public thinks insurance is insurance is insurance, medical. It's not. Most insurances, as you're seeing, have, have in-network benefits and out-of-network benefits. Okay. So that whole breakdown thing. If... I'm charging $100 for something and I'm getting paid 60 in network, but I charge $100 for something at a network and I get paid 90 and the patient got to pay 10, I'm going to always choose that option. It's just the verbiage I have to use to explain why the value is there. And we typically go to quality and relationship or the two words that I'll, I'll teach. So the first thing we have to understand is our patient's perspective on this. The second thing is now how we say it. So I would even say, let's say you're one of the doctors, right? And I say, Dr. Vince, you know, I, I get that question. I understand that. And the first thing you have to understand is medical and dental insurance. There's a difference because dental insurance provides out-of-network benefits to in their plans. And so when you're in-network, think clinic, moving fast, more patients uh, per hour, um, whereas at a network allows us to be focused on quality, uh, spend time with our patients, develop relationship. So if you like the style of practice and, and, and clinical expertise we're providing for you, it's because we're allowed to be an out of network provider. The insurance is not dictating to us, Hey, you got to go faster and you got to go cheaper. We're allowing a win-win to say, wow, we are providing great care and you're still getting benefits from it. And if it costs the patient a 10% copay, we feel like that's a fair arrangement for everybody. It's a win-win. When we do the in-network, the only person that wins is the insurance company because you're not going to get the care you want that you are looking for. You're not going to get the type of service you're looking for. Think Walmart versus, and then insert department store of your area that's of quality. Right? And so we've chosen to go this route. So if you like the, what we're providing, that's why we are where we are. And then you would ask a question, does that make sense? Now that's post out of network conversation. That's a little di different than, hey, we're moving in that direction. So do these patients pay you and the insurance check goes to them? Is that how you do it? Yes. So you're truly fee for service with all insurances. Correct. The only Correct. thing, I want to go one more level up. I send the claims out for them. Okay. I want to be like so famous that they do it on their own. So that, that's my goal for next year. <laughs> well, you would, you would probably hand them the claim. I yeah. would hand them two claims and say, here's your copy. Send this one, get paid. Yes. That's the next level. Let me ask you a question. Does your administrative coordinator still get phone calls like, hey, my insurance didn't pay. Yes. Pay me yet. That's why yeah. I want them to do it. It's, you, and you'll, I don't think you'll ever get away. Like I've got a client in Atlanta. He's literally got a, a lady who just sits in an office. He's completely fee for service. And all she does, her name's Stacy. Hi, Stacy. All she does is handle insurance claim questions, challenges, and, and problems, even though they're fee for service. The difference is you're already paid. Mm -hmm. Your AR is zero. Now, can you ever, I mean, 
that's pretty hard to do because patients just don't know how to go fight for their money. Like she's got to send something again. Like they're saying, we well, didn't get x-rays. Yes, it was there. So she's got to print it on paper, attach the x-rays, write a letter, you know, and send it. They're trying to deny it and bully the patient. And they're going to get away with it if we don't support them with customer service. So my perspective is that would be a 1%. You'd be a 1% in the country if you were able to do that and not have to worry about helping our patients get paid, right? Because they need to get their money at mm-hmm. the end of the day. All right. Is that fair? Very fair. Okay. The conversation to go from PPO to add a network is simple yet hard. And the, the, the way I try to anchor it in people's minds is stop telling them what you're not going to do anymore. Don't tell them what you don't do. Instead, tell them what you do do. So we call it the do-do system. <laughs> That's the anchor. <laughs> yeah. That's the anchor, right? Some humor to remember. Why am I telling them what we don't do? So conversations sound like this. Yeah, Vince, when you come in, we have a lot of patients who have MetLife. When you come in, um, all, and let's say I'm fee for service. I'm your practice. I'm next level. Okay. I call this a triangulation of payment. All that we're going to do is you're going to come in. We're going to bill MetLife for you directly. We send it electronically. So you get your money sent to you directly within like 14 days, 11 to 14 days. You're going to have a check in hand. And so all that we're going to ask is that when you're here, you pay us that service. So for example, if it's a hundred dollars, we're going to bill MetLife a hundred dollars and they're going to pay you 90. Let's say that $10 difference is your copay. How does that sound to you? Good. Okay. So some, yeah. So some things I'm doing, my tone of voice, right? Oh, well, unfortunately, Vince, you know, uh, we're at a network provider with them. We dropped them a long time ago and we no longer accept assignment of benefits. So what you'll have to do is pay us when you come in and then we'll file the claim for you and they'll send you a check directly. That's the don't do. Tell them what you are going to do and be proud of it and happy that you do it. And, and people, you're speaking to their subconscious, you're speaking to them and they're going, oh, yeah, that sounds okay. And, and Betty referred me to you. She does the same thing. Yeah, that sounds good to me. It's how we handle all of our patients. Does Eric, that make sense? Yeah. When you did the don't do, you sounded exactly like how I sound in my practice. <laughs> <laughs> That's the don't do system. Yeah. yeah. Because the human brain can't process negativity. Don't think of a pink elephant right now. Too late. And so when they hear you no longer, you don't, we dropped them a long time ago, you'll have to do this. My tone of voice, everything's different. Everything it's speaking to them is going, this is not the place for me. This is not the place for me. This is not the place for me. Uh-oh. And they might even set up an appointment and then just no show or not, or not cancel or whatever. But they're not going to tell you, that doesn't sound good to me. Right? So that's if you're fee for service. Just to move, and, and please be really careful with this verbiage. I really don't want to create a bunch of, you know, rogue uh, uh, clients, potential clients out there doing this on their own and trying to teach it and everything. We're here to help you, uh, you know, for, for less than less than $1,300 a month, we can help you do this. Okay. We're, we're not a really, really expensive consulting agent, agency charge $70,000 a year or anything like that. All Star Dental Academy is amazing, amazing value. We call it self-funding coaching and we'll get you a return on investment two to three times what you pay for coaching within 90 days. So that's why our fees are set up the way they are because we create great value and we want a long-term relationship with our clients to see results through. So that client I talked to you about in Midland, Michigan, he's been a client since 2019. He's already out of network with Delta. I just had my meeting with him right before you. So we're helping the practice in a lot of areas. So please 
don't take this podcast as permission to go rogue and just go, we got this because I'm not seeing how many patients are in your hygiene department. I'm not seeing your perio percentage. I'm not seeing your broken appointment time. Those things were all dialed in before that doctor ever set foot in the conversation to resign from Delta. Okay. So big asterisk here. If, if I were to have this conversation to go from PPO to add a network, it's so easy. It's so easy. I just say, Vince, you know, you've been a patient here for quite a few years now. You're familiar with what we stand for, the quality we provide, uh, being uh, relational with every patient, spending time with them. And as you know, insurances try to make that more and more difficult. They want us to go faster. They want to pay less. They, they want volume, not quality. And it's just not something that we really are passionate about. And we've really figured out a way to do both. Maximize your insurance benefits and still provide great care. And so the next time you come in, when you come in, we're going to bill your claim for you like we always have. They're going to pay us like they always have. And our promise to you as at your next visit is you will not see a difference in your financial obligation to us. We're going to do that as an out-of-network provider. Does that make sense? I guess as a patient, my question would be, if my financial obligation is no longer different, but you're out of network, what's going on here? Yeah. So it's amazing. We found this loophole. I'm so glad you said that. We found this amazing way we can do this. Did you know that dental benefits have in-network and out-of-network benefits? And we look at it, it says preventive 100% coverage for in-network and preventative 100% out-of-network coverage. And so when you come and see us in hygiene in six months again, you're going to see no difference. I promise you is you see no difference the next time. If for some reason you have a copay at that time, we're going to take care of you for you one time. We're going to let you know what that is. And so the next time you come in, you'll have an idea. But what we're seeing is 90% or more of our patients have no change whatsoever. It's really, really amazing. We're so thankful that your insurance has that, 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 that role, that they can still play that role. Does that sound fair? It does. But what if the doctor has a crown on my tooth? Is that going to be more money? So will it be more money? Yes. Yeah. Just being honest with you. Yeah, because here's the deal. Imagine you worked for an employer who for 12 years didn't give you a raise and then this year said you're going to get a pay cut. What would you do? Leave. Probably find another job, yeah. right? You probably find a job. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to find a way to maximize your insurance where they still approve the fee. They still pay half of the fee that we charge. And it's, and it's, it's a higher fee, but it's not outrageous. It's a fair fee. So, you know, imagine going to the grocery store and the person in front of you buys the same amount of groceries for you, but they pay half of what you pay. That's not very fair to you, right? We're going to have everybody pay the same amount that walks the door. They get the same level of care. You don't have to wonder if, because you're an in-network provider, are you getting you know, a cheaper product? Are you getting run through really quickly? We want everybody to receive the same level of care. Does that sound fair to you? Yes. Okay. Now, most patients don't go into the, hey, is it going to charge me more crown fee or anything like that? So know that you're going to have these conversations and your patients who love you, they didn't marry you for the money, are going to go, oh my gosh, I totally get it. Inflation's crazy these days. I mean, everything is so much more money. It's ridiculous. And you're just going to say, and hopefully we don't, we don't pass any of that on to you. Hopefully it's just all on your insurance company's plate. That's what, that's what our goal is. And if you notice in there, I, I didn't badmouth their insurance. In fact, I said, I'm really grateful that your insurance has this potential. Now I could be totally wrong because I don't know. I get to six months and they got zero coverage. Guess what I'm going to do at that appointment? Do you comp that one? I'm going to write it all off. Yeah. I'm, going to, I'm going to take care of it because, because I promise them, we call it the olive branch system. I promise them there'll be no financial difference at that visit. So, um, but they know moving forward, there's a different option. You know, membership plans start coming into play now, things like that. 
start to change their, their focus, but it's still worth it for you to have that conversation. Now, again, I'm kind of loading the gun here, but I haven't really taught you how to aim it. <laughs> I haven't really taught you how to get ready. So I'm giving you the end here, and I don't want to create a bunch of people going out having these conversations because there's so much more to go goes behind the scenes here to get prepared for this. But I want to show you that it's not something that's scary. It's not something that you need to be afraid of. If you're an in-network provider, you might do that for a while. We have a client in Texas. He started his practice in January. He signed up from all, and he's seeing the write-off rate. He's seeing the numbers. But as soon as we get the volume to where we want, we know what conversation we're going to start having with patients. But he's got to make sure they fall in love with him for a while. So let's start to peel it away. So I've been out for 10 yep. years now, but I've worked everything from Medicaid, now I'm fee-for-service. And when I was in Medicaid, I would think to myself, I'm never going to get to a point where people pay me up front for my service. How do you, if you have 20 PPOs in your practice, how do you slowly peel it away? And how do you know yeah. when to peel it away? That's, where the, that's what I'm talking about, the ready, set, go thing. Like I'm giving you the go. I'm, I'm loading the gun right now. But there's an evaluation we do. I'm so glad you brought this up. So there's two things we look at. The percentage of population that's in network in each carrier that you're in network with. Okay? So you're 12% you know, MetLife, you're 8% Aetna, you're 6% Guardian, your United Healthcare is 20%, whatever it is, right? And, and it goes on and on. Most practice is about 75% insurance base and 25% cash. You can never charge those 25% enough to compensate for the discount you're giving the 75%. Not to mention the fact it's just not fair, mm -hmm. right? Like the, the grocery store analogy. So the first thing we do is look at the patient population for each of those plans because all those plans mean something different. How easy are they? How, much, how, how has our experience shown that they're going to pay more when you're out of network? That's a conversation to have with each client. The second thing we do is what's called a PPO write-off calculator. And we just take those plans put MetLife on a tab, 20, your top 21 fees, what, what, what your fee is, what their fee is, and what the percentage write-off rate is. And we go, wow, um, you're writing off 12% and it's 20% of your practice. We might want to hold off on that one. Let's maximize that one for a bit. We'll teach you how to make sure you're, you're billing it correctly and maximizing it correctly and everything. We have a coach who does that, okay? Then we look at MetLife. We go, all right, well, this is 12% of your practice and has a 42% write-off rate. Why do you care? You're going to lose, so if you have 1,000 patients, you have 120 patients in this category, right? You're going to lose, I mean, maybe you lose 10% of them, right? So you lose 12 patients. The other 108 who stay are going to be paying your fee, 42% more. Why would you be in network with them? Even if you lost 42% of those patients, you would break even. You would only see six patients that day instead of 10, but you'd have the expenses for six and you get paid for six. You got paid the same amount. Why would you see 10 for free? The other four were just fat. You just trimmed the fat and now you saw 42%. That never happens, but that's the worst case scenario. You lose the same amount that you've been writing off, you'll be in the same position. You'll have time where you're standing around going, I don't have any patience. And that for some reason that creates the anxiety in us going, oh my gosh, I don't have any patients. What's happening right now? But yet your collections are the same or they're up. Okay, that would be a worst case scenario, but it never happens. Never happens. I mean, especially since COVID. It's, it's crazy right now. So PPO, patients buy insurance plan, PPO write-off calculator. We, we sit down with, with the doctors and, and the team and we talk about a strategic plan to do this. You can't, you gotta be Goldilocks. You can't just be like, okay, I'm gonna drop this 4% this of my population. I'm gonna drop that one. And you spend six months doing that. 
your bottom line changes nothing. I mean, it's, it's a drop in the bucket. It doesn't do enough. But you also don't go too hot and go, I'm taking them all on, all 75% of my practice. Let's go. You're going to be exhausted in the conversations. You're going to take on way too much risk. You're going to live in too much fear. And you're going to hope that's okay on the other end. We call it the eye of the storm, right? Six months and one day after that, and you, and you really get there. And you start going, oh my gosh. And for about two months, you're freaking out a little bit. At a, um, and so, so what we do is we, we, we take on about 25 to 30% of your practice at a time. And we do it in three stages, basically. And this is the easiest ones for us to resign from. These are the moderate and these are the difficult. And we take you through that process. So, you know, and, and you, you get it. It's easier. You get a lot of wins early on. You say, oh my gosh, that was great. And then you're ready for phase two. I had a client in Oklahoma call me and, and they forgot to submit their credentialing for Blue Cross with Shield. Somehow they missed it. They didn't, they never got notice of it. And all of a sudden they found out in 30 days, they're going to be out of network. They're like, Eric, it's going to take, you know, should we credential? And I said, no, <laughs> we, we have an out now. We're going to see how this goes. Um, and of course the doctor's freaking out a bit and the eye of the storm 31 days later was holy cow. But we decided there was only like a hundred patients. We decided to make phone calls and call all of these patients and physically talk to every single one of them and let them know what's going on, have a great conversation with them. We lost a few, the bigger family decided to leave, right? But the rest who stayed were all paying fee for service and it was beautiful on the other side of it. Now we had to get through the storm though. It was about 30 to 60 days. I got a couple teary conversations, um, but I said, just hold on. You made the right decision. Don't change your mind. You're going to be fine. And now they're, it's wonderful. Now they're loving it. They're loving the other side of this. So you have to be willing to say, how do I ever see myself being that? You have to envision it. You have to set some goals. Then you have to have some really good execution on how to get there. Don't try to do it on your own. You're going to run into some problems. Have someone in your corner, a mentor for free if you want, who's done it before, or a coach who can walk you through this and make sure that you're well taken care of through this process. Does that make sense? Yes. Have so I've been fee for service three years now, and for how long? Three years now, and I wonder if your clients experience this too. People that leave, some of them come back. They come back. Yeah. So your yeah. clients say, okay, yeah, because they realize they didn't marry you for the money. They thought a dentist is a dentist is a dentist is a dentist on every corner, right? They don't realize the bottom line dictates the speed, the quality. And so they went out, they tried a place or two, and they come back. So the one in Midland, oh my gosh, they had so many patients come back. Because they're not just a clinic. They have names, they have relationship, they provide phenomenal care, they're available for their patients, and they've been there long enough. They've, they're, they're trustworthy. So you have to have a niche factor. You have to have a niche that you're well known for, that people will call you for. You can't just be average Joe, plain Joe, well, I'm just going to do this because you, you need to be really good at what you do. Your customer service needs to be phenomenal. Your clinical skills need to be phenomenal. Those things are a must. Otherwise, people will leave and they'll, they'll go somewhere else and go, wow, this meal is a lot better over here. I'm going to stay. I'm going to keep coming here to eat. That was my next question. As a general dentist, do you see your clients limiting some of their clinical skills to get better at certain procedures to get more patients searching for that procedure? I think is a wide range of what clinic clients are doing. Some just have, you know, age plays a role. I think too, some just don't want to take on a new, a new hat, you know, take on a new bag of what they're going to offer their patients. Uh, but the more 
quality you can provide in that, I talked about 21 fees, in that range of, of services, the better. That doesn't necessarily mean you need to do molar endo on number two. That doesn't necessarily mean you need to be placing uh, implants and sinus lifts and all this kind of stuff. But if you could do some of those things really, really, really well, your patients love one-stop shop. They love to be able to come to you and not have to go somewhere else, not have a second visit, not have to see, do I trust this other person? Feels like an added expense. Can't I just get it here? That's something that you should be hearing or they're at least thinking. Um, so yeah, your clinical skills and the, and the added service you can provide are essential, I think, to maintaining one. Those are an ins, that's an insulator to protect your practice from attrition. I find this may be where we differ. I, you're totally right. All my patients want a one-stop shop. My practice is like the opposite. You get like one thing at my practice. I find it's really hard to be good at root canals, implants, veneers. And the more I limited my practice, I found it easier to get new patients who call and say, I don't care if it's insurance or not. I want to come in and see him. Almost like a, For that thing. I'm a specialist, but I'm a generalist who does specialty That's stuff. your niche, right? That's your niche, what you're known for. Totally can do that. Now, in tougher economical times, that will be a tougher transition. So from 2008 to 2012, what we saw is the more niche you were in something, the harder that financial hit took on. And what we saw was those boutique practices start expanding those services again mm -hmm. over that time. So you don't need to be able to do all root canals. You don't need to be able to do all implants. You don't need to do all cosmetics. But some of that, there need, or you have a great relationship that you refer to that they see as an extension of you. That's fine too. Some offices right now are too busy. Like, I don't even have time to do root canal even if I wanted to. That's fine. Have a great endodontist that you refer to that supports you and sends the crown back to you right? Uh, you know, relationships are important. So that's why I said there's a variety of answers here. It really has to do with your comfort zone, your vision, your desire, your, what makes you happy in your practice. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you protect yourself from the things outside that could influence your results. It makes it harder for my practice to become a business where I can slowly remove myself because right now I'm the prime mover of the practice. And it's, I, I haven't made it easy to duplicate me. Not that I'm an all-star, but because I'm so niche, I can't like plug a new guy in and they're like, okay, well, here's a new guy. I'll still pay out a network for him. Yes. And that's where you may add other things over here that you're not doing. Somebody who does something like I just did this as a client. She didn't do any surgery. She didn't do any root canals, didn't have any room for emergencies and had a ton of calls that we were just saying, can't, can't help them. And she's like, I'm missing opportunities here. I don't want to do it. So she brought on another dentist who did all those things. Did all those, it just worked out perfectly. And so if you're open to managing that bigger, now another puzzle piece in your practice, great. Some don't want to manage that. As a dentist, you're the, you're the artist, right? You're the clinician. You're the entrepreneur. You got to manage the business. And then you're the leader. You're the manager of people. And so some people don't want those other two things, the entrepreneurial and the manager leader style to get bigger. They don't want a 17 op for doctor practice. Some do. It all depends on your vision and what you want to do. But either way, your verbal skills, your communication style can make either of those directions work, whether you're referring it out or you're keeping it in house. Most patients are thinking, why do I have to go somewhere else? So your verbiage on why that is, they are the expert. They're the best person I could send you to. You're going to be in the best position possible to do what they do. And then I'm going to have you back to do what I do the best possible. And we're going to put those two things together. And that's why you're, we're going to work together. 
And you say, does that make sense to the patient? Yeah. Eric, we have five minutes left. I have to do a part three of our saga. Uh, I could <laughs> I could talk to you all day. I have I don't know if you can answer this in five minutes. If you can't, we'll do it for the next podcast. I don't think I can answer any question less than five minutes. I talk a lot. <laughs> Let's just let me pose this question, then maybe we'll do it on the next podcast. Do you have any clients that one dentist in the office is fee for service and one dentist in the uh, office takes PPO and does that exist? Or can it work? It's called unequally yoked. It's called unequally yoked. All right. You know what I'm saying, brother? So when when and 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 by the way, Delta is sending letters to offices saying you can't do this. You either all need to be PPO or out of network. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Okay. We've had clients get these letters in different states. So uh, the answer is yes, you could do that if that's something you're comfortable with. In fact, I had this conversation with a client the other day where I see he's in Arkansas. He is that whole PPO premier thing together, but he has an associate who can only be PPO. And he's thinking, I'm going to drop the at PPO word from my name and just be premier. And then he says, and I'm going to have all the PPO patients go see that dentist. And I'm like, that's actually not what you want to do. Because why would I have my associate get paid even less, right? Have You're going to have to see all the premier patients at a higher rate. You're going to get a 20% bump. Don't even let those patients go. Now, if they only have PPO benefits, you let them go over there. So again, this office is in the middle of moving out of network with insurances. They're trying to figure out how do we do this? And Delta will be the last one they handle. So there could be a time where you're unequally yoked. Yes, could be a longer time if that's what you envision for your practice. I think that's probably for a larger type practice, more patients, a lot of hygiene days, more volume-based could be that way. And you, you could get away with it for a while and maybe for a long time. But what you're going to see is a lot of your patients are going to be drawn to the cheaper side of things, thinking they're going to get the same level of care. And if you're providing the same level of care, equally yoked care for unequally yoked benefits... I don't understand that. So you could do it, but I don't understand why. Perfect answer. Eric, I, I want to be your best friend. I want to hang out. I know we live on different sides of the country. I'm going to have you back. I really appreciate yeah. this whole podcast. Do you want to do any last one, two minute takeaways before we end? Well, I would just hope that if you loved what you you hear, you just go to allstardillacademy.com. We have so many ways to help you that don't even cost money. <laughs> you know, if you want to hear more, there's there's webinars on there, there's YouTube videos. We're, we're putting out so much content for people like this to help them. Uh, but if, if you want more support than that, just email Heather at allstardentalacademy.com. She'll talk with you and talk about what your struggles are with your practice, where you want to take it. And then we'll see if we're a good fit to help you. We have our annual growth summit in May in Fort Lauderdale where you can come and we have nine different uh, speakers coming from all walks of dentistry just to pour into you. So come join us there as well and, and just go to allstardentalacademy.com slash events. Uh, you can go to the webpage and look at it. There's events on there. You can learn about our team. And if you like what you heard today, there's just so much more we can help you with. So yeah, love it. Your wealth of knowledge. I'm lucky to know you. Enjoy the rest of your day. I'll talk to you soon, Eric. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Number two on our way to part three. Perfect. <laughs> See you soon.